Welcome to TGI, Tourism Geography Insights, the podcast of Tourism Geography's journal where we discuss our latest research and developments of our peer-reviewed journal which explores tourism and tourism-related areas of recreation and leisure studies from a geographic perspective. Welcome to this week's episode of Tourism Geography's podcast. We are fortunate enough to speak with Liz Cooper. She's a PhD fellow at the Department of Management, Society and Communication at Copenhagen Business School in Denmark. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very interested to hear what you're going to have to say about your recently published paper called Making Sense of sustainable tourism on the periphery, perspectives from Greenland, a very unusual context. As we do on the podcast, can you tell us, Liz, what is the question or the problem the research was set out to understand? Well, I guess it was kind of inspired by this example, which I often use when I'm asked about sustainable tourism in Greenland and which is talked about a lot in Greenland's tourism industry as well. And I often use the example of eating vegetarian because generally speaking, we see eating vegetarian as a sustainable behavior, but in Greenland, it's basically the opposite because they can't really grow their own vegetables. They have to ship most of their vegetables from Denmark and there's wild meat available locally, um, which can be sustainably, sustainably caught. So, yeah, this is something that I've previously worked in the tourism industry in Greenland, and it's something that people often mention when we talk about sustainable tourism, how there's certain examples in Greenland that kind of turn the idea of sustainability on its head. And it got me thinking that maybe in these, in different places, sustainable tourism can be surprisingly and dramatically different. I like it. It's like a myth buster, this paper. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I like it. (laughs) I like the idea. Continue, please. Yeah, so then I just kind of started thinking about what kind of consequences this might have. You know, if our narratives and goals around sustainable tourism are formed by sort of Western powers and the global north, then these remote and peripheral places might lose out if they're trying to work on towards sustainability goals that are not relevant to them. Excellent. So um, I've never been to uh, Greenland yet. Um, wh- why did you choose Greenland? You said you worked there a little bit before. but So tell us a little bit about the background and the context. Uh, it, it's it's not on the tourist trails uh, or the usual tourist trail. So maybe you can you can tell listeners and readers a little bit more about the, about the background and the context, please. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely off the off the beaten track, I would say which is also kind of a a fundamental aspect of this paper, that that it's a peripheral destination and it's quite a good example of a peripheral destination, which I guess I will talk about a bit later when we talk about the concepts. So the context, well, I've been involved with Greenland tourism in Greenland for about six years now, I think. I used, well, I I first got involved as a, doing an internship for um, for the national DMO Visit Greenland and then worked for them and now my PhD is partially financed by them which is why I'm doing my PhD research based in Greenland but yeah um, so my PhD research in general is 
is trying to promote more sustainable tourist behavior in Greenland, and I'm doing that by testing behavioral interventions on tourists. But I guess before I got to that point, I realized that I needed to generate a better understanding of what sustainable tourist behavior actually is in Greenland, and then in turn what sustainable tourism is. So that was how I came to this paper, which I suppose represents like the first kind of stage of my PhD in a way, although as I'm sure you know, it doesn't happen so systematically when you're doing a PhD. But yeah, in terms of the temporal context of this, it was summer 2020 when I collected my data. So it was shortly after the COVID pandemic hit and tourism to Greenland at that point was pretty much non-existent. So that was also an interesting context in terms of time, because it also obviously affected what my interviewees spoke about when I asked them about sustainable tourism and priorities for, sustain for sustainable tourism. Their answers were probably quite different at that point to what they would have been maybe the year before or what they would be now. And yeah, the people I spoke to were local stakeholders in the tourism industry in Greenland. So people who worked in both public and private sectors at different levels, national, regional and local, and also some local residents as well. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, I, I, you know, reading your paper, I can see the population, just over 56,000 people. I mean, that's, you know, a small community. Visitations, I think you listed around there, 100,000. Yeah. Uh, which... Again, it's not large on a global scale, of course, but I mean, it's twice, it's twice the size of uh, the, the population. So tourism is not, not nothing, is it, uh, in Greenland? So what would the tourists come and what, what do they want to come and, come and see or experience? Probably number one is nature. Most people say they want to see the ice, icebergs. They want to see the big landscapes and the fjords and whales. And then we get a lot of people who come for specific activities, like, for example, hiking or climbing or dog sledding. Yeah, things like that. Great. All right. So you mentioned summer of 2020 was when you conducted the, the research and uh, mm. it was qualitative, 39 semi-structured interviews, uh, speaking to a range of different uh, stakeholders in the public and, and private sector. And, you know, you've tied all this together in the concept of the periphery. So can you go on and explain how you use the concept of, of the periphery uh, to underpin your work as a, as a theory or concept? So when we talk about peripheral destinations and tourism, we, I mean, it can refer to many things, but it, some of the things it might refer to are, for example, a destination that's located in the global south or is geographically isolated, difficult to access, or which has maybe previously been colonized or is still colonized, which means that they're, they're kind of locked in a power relationship with a core nation state. Usually they have resource-based economies and part of this core periphery relationship is that they rely on their core counterparts for trade. So as I said, Greenland is a really good example of a peripheral destination in the sense that it fulfills many of these criteria. It has been colonized um, by Denmark. It's still a part of the Kingdom of Denmark, even though it's technically not a colony anymore. Um, but there's definitely 
some power relationships at play. It does have a, a mainly resource-based economy, which is not very diverse. It's located very far from its tourism markets. The source markets for its tourists are usually nations that are located in the core. So Denmark, Germany, Western Europe and Scandinavia and North America. So I use this kind of core periphery dynamic to describe a relationship between Greenland and Denmark or Greenland and Western Europe that kind of reinforces or perpetuates itself through its very being. And the reason I thought it was important to to frame a tourism paper in this way is that often we see that these kind of relationships can marginalize peripheral nations so that they lose out. And when we look at tourism practice in, in tourism practices in peripheral places, then we often see that tourism development is kind of promoted as a pathway out of these kind of uh, relationships because of the opportunities for economic growth that it offers. But then actually we sometimes see that tourism development in, per in peripheral locations actually reinforces these core periphery di dynamics. If, for example, tourism is developed in a way that local stakeholders don't have control and that external stake and they become dependent on external stakeholders who take a large share of the profits as well. So I kind of, yeah, the idea was to use this framing to see if the, the dynamics and the power relationships here also have a role in shaping how sustainable tourism is perceived and how solutions for sustainable tourism are imagined. Great. No, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh it's a useful it's a useful concept to to look at and there's been lots of work done in that area um in in different geographical uh, contexts and you know as you alluded to talked about power and and um and dependency and colonialism uh, a little bit i'm interested to know what does the greenland tourism industry how do they uh, perceive or, or how do they view sustainability what does sustainability look like to them what are the findings <laughs> yeah it's a good question and i can't well I, that's the question i kind of tried to answer but then i found out that as is often the case it became much more complicated than i thought it was going to be so i found a lot of disagreement in my data and a lot of perspectives even among local stakeholders that contradicted each other but couldn't really come to a sort of common definition of what sustainable tourism is or or even what people think it should be in Greenland. Um, so in the findings section I actually discuss kind of the main points of debate that came up in my data and they were yeah, I guess there's four kind of main points of debate that I touch on and there this question about whether it's even at all possible to achieve a kind of balanced tourism landscape or a landscape in which no stakeholders lose out. 
then there were a lot of contradictory perspectives on how nature and culture connect to sustainable tourism. Some people saw them as kind of the three things as kind of intrinsically connected and others thought that they somehow worked against each other in some ways. There were a lot of disagreements about how to understand economic sustainability. Some people conceptualized it around growth, economic growth, and others conceptualized it around equality and wealth distribution. And then, as I've mentioned, because of the temporal context of the study, there was a lot of talk about resilience and connection to sustainable tourism, where my interviewees began framing an unsustainable business as a business that was kind of fragile or vulnerable to these global crises. So yeah, but probably one of the most important takeaways I would say is that, and this has also been supported by other literature, which has um, investigated tourism solutions in peripheral destinations, that sustainable tourism should be understood and solutions should be imagined in a context specific way. Yeah, and I did find a lot of different examples of core periphery dynamics kind of infiltrating the, the tourism industry in Greenland on different levels and with different stakeholders, which yeah, it was quite interesting and maybe leads the way to some more research in that area. But I suppose it's like, I mean, kind of a depressing message in that I do find I do find evidence that the, that this these core periphery dynamics are are kind of reinforcing unbeneficial relationships in a way. And they are shaping perceptions of sustainable tourism. So like, for example, with the stakeholders who, who perceive sustainable tourism to be connected to economic growth or to kind of uh, selfish priorities. Yeah, so the focus on growth maybe more than equity or equality yeah but okay. i don't know it's kind of like it's it's an exploratory like the intention with the paper was to just explore the different perceptions right yeah but if you if you have an agenda or if you have an idea about how tourism should be or whether tourism should be improved or how it should be improved then then um maybe you can see this as it as having a depressing depressing message right i okay. don't know <laughs> all right so just in in sum you you uh you looked at uh, when exploring the idea of sustainability the the themes of balance nature and culture economy and equality and health and security health and security and resilience came out and yeah. then um i mean that's part of the process isn't it in and and to some extent frustrating but exciting part of research i think is to find things that we don't that we don't expect you know and and the solutions are not uh straightforward they're not you know there's lots of gray areas the the idea of sustainability uh you, you know it's so broad that it becomes meaningless as, as some people have pointed out in, in the in the literature but uh you know in in the context uh and at the at the context and the time period and the place you know these were the ones that these are the, the themes that sort of came out, but even those were not necessarily, let's say, highlighting the positives, if, if, you know, if I'm getting mm. you uh, correctly. All right. No, no, go on. I was just going to say the fluidity, I mean, that 
the fluidity of the sustainable tourism that's been uncovered in the paper kind of i mean it could make you think because it's so if it is so reliant on context both spatial and temporal context then how can we ever kind of all come together and work towards a common goal because it's the goal is going to be changing all the time mm. right? yeah right yeah interesting all right well i hope that that I, all those questions that you've posed <laughs> are going to be explored in your further work so can you tell us you know where where have you taken this this research from here i think you mentioned that it's, it was uh, the first part of your your phd so what are the what are the plans going forward yeah so this was kind of my like my examination of sustainable tourism i guess from local perspectives and trying to identify because as i said the aim of my PhD as a whole is to encourage more sustainable tourist behavior among yeah, in Greenland. So the the original original aim with this paper was to be able to identify some sustainable behaviors to promote. And as I said, it became much more complicated and it became what it is. And I'm happy it became what it is because it's much more in-depth and interesting than I had first imagined it, I think. And then I also have have done some research with actual tourists who've been to Greenland and tried to kind of uncover their psychological drivers and the mechanisms and what behaviors they engage in and how they maybe justify engaging in unsustainable behaviors. And then the idea behind that was to find out kind of the best way to communicate with them or what kind of psychological mechanisms we can use to change their behavior. And then I've also conducted some field experiments last summer where I actually tested some behavioral interventions on cruise tourists to try and encourage the, these some certain sustainable behaviors and then measured whether the interventions had an effect on, on tourist behavior, which they did. So that was good, yeah. So I guess it was kind of like they, the first, the foundation to the rest of my PhD yep. work, which is yeah, nice. yeah, shaped it, even though it, it it seemed to be something you weren't expecting. So uh, yeah, and I'm sure it's made your PhD and and research a lot richer and a lot more nuanced than um, than maybe you originally uh, expected. All right, anything else uh, you'd like to add? No, I don't think so. All right, I just want to thank you again. Uh, Liz, I was speaking to uh, Liz Cooper. She's an industrial PhD fellow at the Copenhagen Business School and uh, visit Greenland. She's looking at behavioral interventions to promote more sustainable behavior amongst cruise tourists in Greenland. And uh, we were talking to her about her recently published paper in Tourism Geographies entitled Making Sense of Sustainable Tourism on the Periphery Perspectives from Greenland. Thank you very much, Liz. Thanks, Stephen. Have a good day. All right.